Welcome to the NESPP's Equity Expert Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Barbara Buckshaw, and I'm the Executive Director of the NESPP. For this episode of the podcast, I'll be talking with Galahad Don, who is the Director of HR Systems and Total Rewards at Simpson Strong Pie Company. Galahad is also a member of the NESPP's DEI Task Force, and he is a veteran, making him a great choice for our podcast this month when we celebrate and recognize U.S. veterans. Welcome to the podcast, Galahad. Great. I'm so happy to be here and honored to be here. All right. I would love to start with your origin story. How did you end up working in stock compensation? And is this what you thought you would be doing when you graduated? Yep. I think like most in the industry, right? The long running joke is like everyone else, I wasn't planning for a career in stock comp. I didn't even know what stock compensation was until I applied for the role as our organization's first stock plan admin in my current company 10 years ago. But Kind of going back in time, I was a poli-sci major when I exited college right in the middle of the Great Recession in 2008. So not exactly ideal timing. And I'm sure like many in my boat, I literally took the first job that gave me an offer. So I ended up in a small business, which, you know, love the flexibility of a small business, the entrepreneurial ship. Yay, no socks controls in small businesses, or at least the one we were at. But the rewards package was challenging. So I ended up applying for the role of a stock plan admin at Simpson. Admittedly, it was more based on the financial stability of the company and the overall rewards package. Not necessarily because I was like, yes, sign me up to be a stock plan admin. But you know, again, here I am 10 years later still in the space. So clearly I love what I do. And uh, it's been a rewarding journey for me. Wow, well, that's fascinating. It's always interesting for me to hear what people's majors were in college. And I was an English major. Uh, Poli-sci is definitely not a major that I would that you would think would end up in stock compensation, but here you are. Yep, exactly. So director of HR systems and total rewards sounds like a pretty broad role. Can you describe what you're responsible for and how much of your role involves equity compensation? Yeah, sure. So in my current role, um, I support three different teams at the company where really my job is just to make sure that each of those teams has the tools and resources to be successful. So the first is HR systems, as the title implies, where we own and manage our company's HRIS, learning management system, time and attendance, as well as our stock admin system, to name a few. Payroll is another team I support, which I think is self-explanatory. And then finally, total rewards, which encapsulates our organization's comp, then workload life balance programs. But from an equity comp standpoint, while I moved from our company's first stock plan administrator in finance nine years ago, they never backfilled my role. So I have actually taken that role with me through every position I've had at Simpson. So I'm still the stock plan admin. Maybe it's secretly because I love stock plan admin that I haven't given it up yet. But I think one of the nice things about owning total rewards and still being the stock plan admin is I'm in a lucky position where I have a seat at the table and helping to design equity comp programs but can also chime in up front on the practical administration pieces of plan design changes. Whereas I know a lot of my colleagues are always playing the scramble game, just trying to figure out how to administer the latest and greatest changes that our exec comp consultants have oftentimes tried to pick up. Well, you must be good at it if they let you keep the role all this time. Well, either that or they just want to save money and not backfill my role. <laughs> Maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you're probably good at it. Oh, thank you. So I am curious about your experience in the military and how you think that experience has helped you in your career. 
Yeah. So, you know, similar to my college degree as a poli-sci major, which is not really directly translatable to either being a stock plan admin or an HR or even finance professional, my military experience at face value didn't really have any direct translation either. So I spent my time in the infantry, which again, doesn't have any, uh, doesn't have a tremendous amount of practical job transferable skills. But I think where my military experience has helped me is the ability to make quick and sound decisions with limited information or to operate in those ambiguous conditions or really pivot on a dime are all experiences that I gained from my military background and experience that really translates and has helped me in my professional career. Okay. Yeah. I could imagine that those are skills that are transferable to any role and certainly transferable to equity compensation. Absolutely. All right. Well, from your company's name, Simpson Strong Tie, I was imagining that you make plastic ties or something like that. And then I thought, well, maybe I should be prepared for this podcast. So I checked out your website and your product line actually is much broader. And I don't even think you do make the plastic ties at all. So maybe for our listeners who aren't familiar with Simpson, could you describe what it is your company does? Yeah, you're right. Definitely don't make uh, plastic zip ties. But uh, Simpson Strong Ties, uh, we're a manufacturing company. I think we're at 5,100 employees in 27 countries right now. Our mission is to provide solutions that help people design and build safer, stronger structures. That all sounds fancy. What does that actually mean? We basically build the metal connector that ties wooden two by fours or any size lumber together inside of your wood frame home. So depending on where you live in North America, and especially for you and I, we're, we're here in earthquake country in California, we're potentially one of the most used products in your home that most people have no idea because we're behind the drywall. But, you know, in addition to those wood connectors, we do have other product lines, right? We're focused in other construction industries, such as concrete, fasteners, which is really just a fancy word for screws and nails, as well as decks. But it's those wooden connectors where we got our start, and that's what pays the bills. I'm glad you're around. Good to know that you're in my walls. I want to make sure my home can survive an earthquake. So, Yep, that's what we're here for. And so I would imagine, you know, providing a product that's used out here on the West Coast where we have a lot of technology companies, you know, we hear about equity plans at technology companies all the time, and we hear it sort of less often about equity compensation at manufacturing companies. And so I would imagine that there are some differences between how you use equity and how tech companies use equity. How does Simpson Strong Tie use equity in its compensation program? I would say we're a bit of an anomaly headquartered here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but very much a traditional manufacturing company. Obviously, we don't manufacture here in the Bay Area. We have manufacturing operations throughout. But in terms of our stock programs, I'd say maybe we're not as sexy or cutting edge as some of these tech companies, which are always trying to push the envelope and find creative and new ways to increase share ownership or, you know, push that pay for performance envelope. But what we do offer at Simpson is, you know, we have a broad-based ESPP program in North America. We've got time-based RSUs for certain management levels throughout the organization. And then we have a combination of RSUs and PSUs for our executives. Something that's maybe unique to Simpson or maybe not as common in other organizations is our founder, Barclay Simpson, also believed in share ownership. So in addition to our ESPP program, we also provide 100 shares of Simpson stock for every employee who hits 10 years of Simpson service. So they'll get it at 10 years, 20, 30, some even get it at 40 at Simpson. So pretty nice gig. Nice. 
Do you think that being located out here in California, do you think that's partly why equity has been used at your company? Or do you really think it's just the founder's vision for the, for the company or maybe both? I would say it certainly started as our founder's vision and his strong belief in having our employees. And again, manufacturing employees, we started in San Leandro, experience what true share ownership is and owning a part of the company and being vested in the outcomes and success of the organization. You know, fast forward now, and obviously we have to recruit marketing talent, IT talent, HR talent from the Bay Area. And so it becomes part of that rewards package so we can remain competitive. But it certainly started from a philosophical standpoint of true share ownership and employee share ownership. That's great. I, you know, I love to hear that founders and executives are committed to employee ownership because they really think having a great equity plan and getting employees engaged in your equity plan, that that really starts at the top of the organization. Yeah, I would agree. All right. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about is I know that Simpson has really made a commitment to transparency and to uh, disclosure around the diversity of its workforce. And I know that you've started reporting on the diversity of your employee population in your 10K and proxy reports. So I wanted to talk to you about what Simpson is doing there and what your role in that project. Yeah, sure. You know, since my team owns a lot of the HR data, we provide a lot of the raw data disclosed in the HCM portion of the 10K and the proxy. But I think more importantly than just disclosing the data, my team also provides a lot of the analysis for our DEI steering committee so they can make sound and informed decisions on what actions we as an organization want to take. I think our biggest DEI challenge as an organization is we don't want DEI to be just lip service or the flavor of the day. We want our actions and commitments to be genuine and have a meaningful impact on our workforce. And so we're taking a very cautious and data-focused approach. So based on the data, right, we know we have some opportunity to increase diversity in our sales function and, and more specifically sales leadership. So we're building a year-long executive sales leadership program, as well as a sales rotation program to try to identify talent in other areas of our business where we may be more diverse and, and get them into and accelerate their sales career here at Simpson. Another thing that we've done is we've partnered with Diversity Jobs, which pushes our open jobs to thousands of diversity-focused organizations. Since we rolled that out, initial data has shown hiring diversity is trending up by 5%. But And we're not even 12 months into that new partnership yet. So I think that's been a really meaningful win in terms of, again, showing a genuine impact on our DEI commitment. That's awesome. Those are both, I think, really two really neat programs. I really like the idea of looking at other parts of your organization that are more diverse and looking at how you can create a path towards other roles for those folks so that you're really leveraging the diversity you already have to make an overall more diverse organization. That just it sounds like a really great idea and a nice way to create opportunities for employees. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things at our organization is, is everybody wants to know how they can continue their careers at Simpson. And sometimes you might end up at a, you know, in a, in a certain role, like stock plan admin. You know, I, was, I wasn't going anywhere. There was a, we were an army of one at the time. And, you know, so finding other career paths at Simpson and being able to retain that talent, I think it's a win-win, right? It's a win for our employees. It's a win for the organization. And, and ultimately, helps to ensure that our organization remains committed to diversity and equity and inclusion. That's great. So one of the reasons that we are featuring this interview with you is that you are a member of the NASVP's DEI task force, because here at the NASVP, we also have an initiative around diversity, both to create diversity in our own organization and also in the whole field of equity compensation. 
So I wanted to ask you what made you want to be involved with the task force? Yeah. So, you know, as I alluded to earlier, when I started as my role as a stock plan admin, I knew nothing about it. I had no prior background. And besides my first boss at Simpson, I had no network of peers in my company to actually learn about, you know, what it means to be a stock plan administrator. And so it was organizations like NAFPP and the issuers and providers who volunteer their time to speak at conferences and network that really allowed me to grow and learn and ultimately be successful in this industry. So I saw this as an opportunity to not only give back to the organization that has been instrumental to my professional success, but, you know, maybe pay it forward to others. But more specifically, since you asked about the task force, what interested me in this task force specifically is I think there tends to be a, a focus, you know, rightfully so on gender, race, ethnicity, and, and socioeconomic underserved communities when looking at a DEI lens, but maybe veterans sometimes get missed, or at least there's not as much noise. Based off the last census, I think veterans make up about six and a half percent of the U.S. population, but that number drops to just 4% when talking about working age veterans. And so as a veteran myself, I wanted to ensure there was a voice on this task force for this small but mighty portion of our population. Well, that's great. And I think you're right that oftentimes veterans are overlooked, particularly I think in white collar roles, people aren't always even aware that people are veterans or that they bring that perspective to their role and to, the, to what they're doing. And I think it's great to have you on the task force. Yeah. Honored to be a part of it. So one last question for you is just what advice would you offer our members who are looking to grow their careers? I think you really have sort of a unique role where you are doing equity compensation, but you also have a high level role on the HR and uh, benefits side and even HRIS. So for our members who are looking to grow beyond their equity compensation role, what kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah, so I, mean, I could probably soapbox forever on leadership and maybe what made me successful. But if I had to distill it down to one thing, it would be to learn to speak and understand the language of your customer. And, and, and I don't mean just learn to speak finance or, you know, learn those fancy business school catchphrases so you can power lunch with your CFO. What I really mean is learn to translate your story into terms your employees or your customers can understand and vice versa. Right, whether or not you're communicating to a blue-collar worker or a finance professional or an IT leader, when you're out there using industry terms like bifurcate and vesting tranches right, to somebody outside of our industry, that doesn't mean anything to them. And so I'm sure we all love to complain about how many meetings we're in on a day-to-day -day basis, but I don't know about you, but a lot of the meetings I'm in is really just trying to gain a shared understanding between different teams. And so if you can help speed up that shared understanding, you'll be more productive than most in your organization, which you know, I believe will help contribute to that upwards mobility, regardless of industry, right? Not just comp and bed. Or again, at least that's what certainly helped me in my career. Well, I think that's great advice, even though bifurcate is one of my favorite words. Oh, I use the term all the time, right? It's just maybe not with my uh, production employees. Yes. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Galahad. Thanks for joining me here. This has been really a very interesting interview, and it's been really fun to learn about your experience and to learn about what you do. Again, thanks for being part of the podcast, and also thanks for your work on the NSVP's DEI task force. Yeah, again, it's been my pleasure. So happy to speak with you, Barbara, and, and you know, have the opportunity to kind of share my experiences in the space. 
I also want to thank Bank of America for sponsoring the NSVP's DEI initiative. Our listeners can learn more about our DEI initiative and the task force on our website. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to subscribe so that you are notified when we post new podcasts.